With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined today by Andrew Erickson of Fantasy Pros and by Graham Barfield, our big guest today, fantasy analyst, co-owner at Fantasy Points. Graham, as I have said to everybody for the last like, week or two, I really especially appreciate the time today because August is the fun season, but also the busy season. It is. It is. And it's mainly the fun season. Uh, to be honest, I mean, football season's a grind, but it's like it's like a slow grind in a sense where you've got pockets where there's days where there's not too, too much going on. So, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, this is uh, this is my favorite time of the year. I you know have biggest drafts. Uh, this week, next week. So yeah, excited to talk some ball, excited to talk some fantasy with you guys today. Yeah, the season is super fun, but it can also get a little repetitive. Like, okay, it's two days. We're talking about waivers. Okay, it's Fridays. We're previewing the matchups. August is like, hey, what kind of draft strategy do we want to try out? Let's do some mocks. I mean, there's nothing quite like fantasy draft day, right, Erickson? No, there's nothing quite like it. It's Christmas in August, which is a rare occurrence. So I'm absolutely loving it. Loving doing all the mock drafts doing some best ball drafts here and there, just trying to get as much exposure to these breakout candidates we're going to talk yes. about today. What a transition. We will jump right in. We are going through each of your guys' top five breakout candidates this year. Breakout sort of a nebulous term. You can kind of define it a couple different ways. We're kind of generally looking at somebody that's going to maybe produce a career best year this season, kind of catapult into that top five, top 15, top 20 type player, depending on the position. We'll talk about some guys that maybe haven't done it yet before, and we think this could be the big year for them. So we will jump right in. We're going to go five to one. Graham, we are starting with you. What's your number five? Yeah, I went pretty deep for my number five sleeper. I definitely don't think he has like top 20 upside, but certainly like usable week, top 36 upside. Alec Pierce, uh, Colts wide receiver. He'll be a starter in two wide receiver sets. He and Michael Pittman will be. And I think Alec Pierce is like a perfect fit with Anthony Richardson's skill set, right? Like Richardson... Uh, in college was one of the most prolific deep ball passers in college football, 11 and a half yard average depth of target last year, 40% of Richardson's total passing yardage came off of deep throws. And that's Pierce's game. Pierce is your prototypical X go up and get it vertical receiver. In a lot of ways, his game kind of mirrors George Pickens and he's you know completely free in draft. So again, I don't think Pierce is a guy that's gonna, you're going to be relying on to be like a top 24 or top 30 player, but I think he has some, some flex appeal and he's certainly certainly a deep breakout candidate in best ball leagues. Is there a base level of passing competence from Anthony Richardson that you think we need to see him hit as a rookie? Because we obviously, a lot of people are very excited about him just as a fantasy, you know, asset himself, given the legs, but in terms of what he can do for the receivers is because Pierce is a deep threat and maybe doesn't need as high a volume that that doesn't worry you as much, or is that a concern level for you? Right. Yeah, that's that's the concern. I mean, the Colts will probably want to run lean run heavy. But I mean, just look at this team. They're going to try to run the ball, but I think they're going to struggle to stay in games this year. And, it, and ultimately, that will, you know, force Richardson to throw a little more. Obviously, the accuracy concerns are, are baked into all of these guys in price. I mean, Michael Pittman's the wide receiver 36 or 37 yeah. in price. You know, Pierce is free. Um, so it's sort of baked in. And, you know, I think, you know, in 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 general, I've not really been taking Pittman in the sixth and seventh round. And if I'm just going to take an upside chance on one of these Colts guys, it'll be pure slate. Erickson, who's your number five? Yeah, I'm going with uh, Sky Moore for the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver. So looking at his usage during the preseason, so he was the primary slot receiver with Patrick Mahomes as a starter. He tied MVS in terms of the most wide receiver snaps played with the starting offense. So for me, that's telling me that Sky Moore is going to be the team's primary slot receiver in 2023. 
And that is where he produced last year when he got the opportunity to play in the slot. So every game where Moore saw six targets, he played at least 10 slot routes. So when he was in the slot last year, even as a rookie, when he was disappointment, he was productive when he was from the slot, which I think is his more natural position at the NFL. He had two catches in the five games where he ran at least seven slot routes. Last year, the main slot receivers were uh, Nicole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster. They averaged 13 and a half slot routes per game. So there's a lot to be, there's a lot available inside for this Kansas City Chiefs offense. I think that's where Sky Moore is going to fit and have a breakout year. You know, his last year in college, he ranked second in terms of yards per route run uh, from the slot. So I think with him inside, we've seen a lot of production from slot receivers in this Chiefs offense with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. I think Sky Moore, after a disappointing rookie year, I think he bounces back in a big way in year two. And is he like the guy, obviously, besides Kelsey in this passing game? Or do you think he'll just be ahead of the Rashi Rice's of the world and Kadarius Tony dealing with another injury? Or or do you think he will like really separate himself from them or rather just sort of be at the front of the pack? I think he will separate himself. I, I don't necessarily think he'll be a top 15 wide receiver because with the Chiefs offense, it's a matter of just distributing the touchdowns, right? Like, that's really what matters about playing into Patrick Mahomes offense. Like, it's not because, oh, Mahomes is really accurate. It's like, no, it's because there's going to be players that score double-digit touchdowns in this offense. Last year, it was Kelsey and the running backs. Like, the receivers did not score a lot of touchdowns last year. So, I wouldn't bang on that happening two years in a row. I think the running backs are going to score less touchdowns. We're not going to see Edward Solaire and guys like Jarrett McKinnon score 10 touchdowns for a second straight year. That's not going to happen. So, it's going to go to the best receivers. And for me, and my money, that's going to be Sky Moore. I'm with you on Sky. I'm, I've been big on Sky this year. I was drafting him last year in the you know tenth, eleventh round. I'm, I'm back in this year in the ninth round. Uh, to your point, you know, I was looking at this the other day. Like, you know, you're mentioning the Chiefs having all those vacant slot routes. Like, if you were just to give maybe forty percent of that to Sky Moore, it would be sixty grabs for seven hundred yards. Like, that's a really good baseline projection right there for sky and then like you mentioned you bake in all the upside for the touchdowns it makes sense i just to just to you know put a bow on this point too like erickson i think last year I'm curious for your take on this like i think last year the chiefs wanted juju to be a full-time player like they wanted him to be the full-time slot but like he was you know his knee got you know all messed up and he just like couldn't stay healthy couldn't practice by the end of the year i think they want my read, my read is they want Sky or someone like that to be the full time slot, and then they rotate these other, you know, outside receiver positions until like maybe Rasheed Rice pops. I think I agree with that, and I, I think too because there were points last year where Juju looked like a hit, like he was starting to heat Dude, up. Early in and the year, it, yeah, yeah, early in the year, it was like people were out there taking like they were like, I was wrong about Juju, like I, I yeah. should have been in on him, but then it's like. He had a couple games stretch and then he got hurt and then ultimately was never fully healthy and it never really came to fruition. But when he was like at his peak as that main slot receiver, he was really good playing in the Chiefs offense, creating yards after the catch. Those are all things that Sky Moore can do. So I agree with you. I think that he's the one that separates himself the most from the pack based on his skill set. And if he's available and healthy, I think it gives him a big edge. To that point, Erickson, we talked a couple months ago about how besides Tyreek and Kelsey, Juju's last season last year was probably the most 
impressive that any individual wide receiver has had in the Mahomes era because he's done such a good, good job of spreading it out outside of those two superstars. So that role can be pretty profitable. Guys, anybody who knows me knows how much I love going to see sports in person. Just two days ago, I got to see my first place Baltimore Orioles live in San Diego. The O's won, by the way. Grayson Rodriguez shoved. No big deal. I checked off my 15th Major League Baseball stadium in the process, which means I am halfway to seeing all 30, and I plan to get all the way to 30 with the help of Game Time, the fastest-growing ticketing app in the United States. For last-minute amazing deals on tickets to see your favorite baseball team, band, or comedian, download Game Time. And again, it's not just sports. Summer means huge concerts, comedy shows all across the country, and Game Time has your tickets. Download the Game Time app and redeem code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app and enter code FANTASYPROS for $20 off no matter where you live. Get out and have some fun this week. Download Game Time today and enter code FANTASYPROS. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Graham, let's move to your number four player here. Sure, let's do it. Uh, it's breakout season for a late, late, late round tight end, Jake Ferguson, uh, Cowboys tight end. Uh, Dalton Schultz is, is gone. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker, their second round rookie tight end, has been battling a foot injury. He's actually been back in practice this week, but he's been out all summer. And it's just been all Jake Ferguson in practice. Uh, listen, again, you know, this is a true, like, true sleeper, true late round breakout. Not somebody that you should, like, you know, schedule your draft plan around. But I absolutely love Jake Ferguson. Uh, small sample success last year. He, he ran only 95 routes. Again, Dalton Schultz was the full-time player, but those routes were extremely efficient. I mean, he was fifth among all tight ends in yards per route run with 2.05. He forced a ton of missed tackles on those routes too and on those catches. Uh, he was right behind Chigger Conquo in terms of missed tackles forced. And all of the Cowboys beats have been raving about how he's become a much better blocker. And this is something that obviously tight ends have to do well to become a full-time player. Like not only do you have to be effective on passing downs, but you got to be effective in the run game. And Ferguson has apparently had a great camp. So to me, he like ticks kind of all the boxes for a late round tight end. Like he's sneakishly athletic, not too bad, kind of like Dalton Schultz. Uh, he had a small sample efficiency success on a pass first team. I think the Cowboys are going to be a pass first team and he's got a full-time role. Uh, waiting in the wing. So I think Jake Ferguson, you know, if you, if you just completely punt tight end and take like two late round guys, like again, Ferguson is going to be your last round guy. Uh, I, I love Jake Ferguson uh, it, in, in best ball. And I, I like him as kind of a, a part of like a late round group for tight ends. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you look at any tight ends, rookie stats, you can pretty much throw them out the window. They're a position that definitely takes a year or two to get accustomed to the NFL. What would you say the ceiling is for Ferguson? Like everything goes right. Best case scenario. He hits better than you could have imagined. Where do you think he could finish, you know, among tight end at the, at the position? Yeah. I mean, so you look back at, at Dalton Schultz, right? Last three years, Schultz has averaged 5.9 targets per game. Um, if, if we were just to give him five and a half to five targets per game, that would probably be like back end tight end one numbers. And then again, I have this analogy, like tight ends live and die by touchdowns. Like unless you're Travis Kelsey and you're not, if you're not scoring touchdowns with some semblance of regularity and projection at tight end, like you're probably worthless for our game. And again, Dallas is going to be a good offense. They love to get the tight ends involved in the red zone. Dalton Schultz had a very high end zone target share last season and the previous season before that. So I think Ferguson's, you know, extreme high ceiling would be like tight end 11, tight end 12. Again, somebody you're streaming probably. But again, uh, you know, I think there's a ton of late round tight ends to be excited about this year. And if like, again, you, you want to punt tight end and you know, not take Kelsey, not take Andrews, not take Hawkinson, 
and take Ferguson plus one more late round guy and just kind of stream between the two and maybe one breaks out. I think that's a certainly viable strategy. Erickson, your number four player here is a mid round tight end. Yeah, I'm going with David and Joku for the Cleveland Browns. And when we're talking about touchdowns, look, last year, only Travis Kelsey saw more red zone targets among tight ends than David and Joku. But the reason you don't hear that a lot is because David Joku didn't catch a lot of those touchdowns and a lot of those targets last year in the Browns offense. So even with Deshaun Watson, he had 10 red zone targets. Nobody else on the offense had more than six during Watson's five game stretch of games played last year. And for me, I'm looking at a player that has a full-time role in this offense. Like David Njoku played 92% of the snaps in week one of the preseason with Deshaun Watson. Like he's going to be running a route on 90% or plus more of the dropbacks, which is similar to what he had last year. When you have that type of elite tight end usage, it's just going to lend itself to more fantasy production. Just being on the field, again, along with touchdowns, is really important for fantasy tight ends. Like it's just so much easier for them to hit when they're running routes on every single drop back. And that's the case here with David Njoku. So basically I'm just betting on Watson's touchdown rate. If it regresses in a positive manner, closer to his career rate, which is almost near 6% and Joku could dabble with 10 touchdowns. And that's going to automatically make him a top five tight end because anyone that scores double the touchdowns at tight end is going to be a top five score. So for me, he goes in a weird range of drafts where I usually don't like to draft tight end because he is in that middle tier, but he's the one player that, I'm always trying to, if I had to make an exception, it would be David Njoku. And especially if he falls in drafts where a lot of people are not touching that middle range, if he falls into that more late round territory, David Njoku is the first guy I'm scooping up. He's super athletic. Last year, sixth in PFF receiving grade inside the top 10 other efficiency metrics, yards out to the catch, yards per route run. He actually had a career year, a career year last year. And I think it's even, he's a higher ceiling with Deshaun Watson coming back to full form. Before we move on with the show, let's take a second to talk about Nutrafol. Guys, men think losing their hair is inevitable. It's something that's been on my mind a lot as I've started to get older. But I want you to take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. And this is something that 80% of men will experience in their lifetime, hair thinning. It's completely normal but that doesn't mean it has to be your fate. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Go to Nutrafol.com men to take their hair healthness wellness quiz. Identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after just six months taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplements. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com men and enter promo code FANTASYPROS. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, dot com slash men and enter promo code fantasy pros that's neutrafol.com slash men promo code fantasy pros graham we've talked a lot about on this show really over the course of the whole offseason about what to expect out of deshaun watson and the browns offense this season so i want to throw it right back to you because your number three player is elijah moore yeah i think i think he's the breakout guy in this offense and you know obviously everybody's heard on twitter or i guess x now sorry can't get used <laughs> to that uh Everybody's heard all the hype. I'm not going to go into all that. Let's just look at the numbers, right? Like if you look at 2021 as rookie season and you just isolate that, Elijah Moore had a, a, a 
target per route run of 0.25. Like that is elite, elite number for a rookie wide receiver. And then everything went wrong last year. Like not only did he not have a good year, but obviously Zach Wilson and the Jets quarterbacks really, really stunk. Like again, I think, you know, in general, in fantasy, I think we've got to be adjusting for quarterback play, especially quality of quarterback play. And in 24 career games, Elijah Moore has averaged 5.6 PPR points per game with Zach Wilson, 5.6 with all other quarterbacks that jumps to 12.1. He's a solid wide receiver three. Now you mix in the fact he's got a big quarterback upgrade to Sean Watson. He's got a big role upgrade. He's going to be a full-time slot receiver. And now they're kind of mixing him in and out of the backfield. He'll move out wide. He can win out wide. Man, I, I'm all in on Elijah Moore. I, I think the Browns are going to significantly boost their pass rate this season. They'll increase their 11 personnel, which will uh, increase Moore's route share. Um, obviously, the the big caveat here is, is Deshaun Watson. Last year, his accuracy was was not there. Uh, looking at some of the advanced metrics we have at Fantasy Points Data, Watson was at the bottom of the barrel in off-target throw rate. He was at the bottom of the barrel in catchable throw rate. Um, which is completely unlike his Houston days. I mean, Watson was was never like a dead-eye type quarterback like Joe Burrow, but always pretty strong in terms of accuracy. The one thing that Watson was really good at was avoiding sacks. So we have a really cool stat uh, where we track avoided sacks by quarterback. And if you just just spread it out by uh, avoided sacks when pressured, obviously, uh, Watson was still pretty good. And, you know, in that preseason game, we kind of saw him moving his legs a little bit, evading some rushers, scrambling out of the pocket. And those kind of play extensions are, are what we're used to from Watson. So I'm buying a bounce back for Watson. I don't think he's going to return back to the top three days he was in, in Houston. But, you know, if he's back to a top 10, top 12 quarterback, that's more than enough for Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper and all these guys to have a great year. So, Erickson, I know that you are a believer in Deshaun bouncing back here. And obviously, you made the case for Njoku. Do you think that there's a case for Elijah Moore as the breakout here instead of Njoku? I know you're a Moore guy, too, Erickson. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I, I think yeah. Elijah Moore is a great pick in the range that he's going. If you're hitting running back early on, like Elijah Moore, look, I don't think it's crazy to think Elijah Moore could outproduce Amari Cooper. Like we've no. seen like the Amari Cooper. We've seen a lot of number two receivers play alongside Amari Cooper, like be better than him. Even last year at points, like Peoples Jones was on, you know, on par with Amari Cooper in terms of targets, in terms of yards, especially if with the weird Amari Cooper road home splits where it'd be games where Cooper would basically just do nothing and you'd see a lot from people's Jones, but even historically speaking, like Michael Crabtree was really productive playing alongside Amari Cooper, CD lamb, Michael Gallup. Like a lot of these guys had good years because Amari Cooper is like a fake alpha is the way I would describe him where he is good, but at the same time, he's not so good that he's going to totally blank the other receivers in his offense. So Erickson, Elijah Moore is going 96th in our ADP rankings on the site. And David Njoku's going 108th. Who would you rather have at cost, Erickson? Probably Elijah Moore. Is it more for you too, Graham? Yeah, I can't stop drafting him. I think Moore has yeah. like, I mean, my median projection is like strong wide receiver three. And then I think he has an upside for 85, 90 grabs. So Erickson, give me your number three breakout player here. Yeah, I'm going with a guy I think is really underrated, despite the fact that he was a first round pick last year and was really productive as a rookie. I'm going with Jahan Dotson. So last year, he finished 12th of the NFL in terms of percentage of games inside the top 12 among wide receivers. He posted a 27% top 12 rate with three wide receiver one finishes and half PPR. Jahan Dotson had more wide receiver one finishes than Terry McLaurin, who played in five more games than Jahan Dotson did. So when you're baking in the risk factor of, okay, is Sam Howell going to totally tank this commander's offense? 
I feel way more comfortable doing that and taking the risk of the unknown with Sam Howell with a guy like Jahan Dotson, who I can draft in round seven or eight versus drafting a player like a Terry McLaurin in round four, where Terry McLaurin's really great and really solid, but he's been a fantasy wide receiver two every year in the league. So I don't see a scenario where, okay, now he's immediately just going to become a wide receiver one, where with Jahan Dotson, we've seen more of those highlight ceiling types of plays in games from Jahan Dotson in one year than we've seen from Terry McLaurin. So even over the last part of the season, weeks 13 through 18, Jahan Dotson tied Terry McLaurin with 24% target share, averaged 2.2 yards per route run, which again tied Terry McLaurin. So I don't think that it's crazy. In a brand new offense, Eric Bieniemy could be like, no, Jahan Dotson's actually going to be our featured weapon. If you look at the snaps just in the first week of the preseason, Jahan Dotson was the only receiver that played all the snaps with the starters on offense. Now, it wasn't because McLaurin wasn't playing, but Jahan Dotson was clearly treated as the alpha wide receiver in the offense. And I think that he's going to be the featured guy in the red zone. We saw him score seven touchdowns last year in just 12 games played. So I don't think that's going to change. I think that gives Dotson massive upside in year two as a first round pick from last year. Graham, where, where do you come down on Dotson? Because obviously there's some excitement around the Washington offense, given the skill position players, yeah. the addition of Eric Bieniemy, but there's also the Sam Howell of it all. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm like the biggest Sam Howell fan, but, I, you know, coming out of college, I, I liked him a little bit. Um, I think Howell, in terms of what he provides vis-a-vis Carson Wentz, uh, Carson Wentz last year, is you know, he'll have a better sense of timing and rhythm. And I think that's huge for these receivers. Um, you know, getting the ball out within time and rhythm of the offense and not just chucking it down downfield off script all the time like Wentz did uh, will be huge. And Howell also can make plays with his legs and he can extend plays. And then you look up their back, their backup, Jacoby Brissett, has been nothing but a solid backup quarterback in the uh, in the NFL. I mean, he's uh, last two years been top five in catchable throw rate. He was really strong in 2021, and last year he had another good year in 2022. He was actually better than Deshaun Watson. Um, so yeah, I'm a lot more confident in these Washington Commanders quarterbacks than previous years, especially compared to Carson Wentz. And you know that makes me a lot more excited to draft McLaurin and Dotson. And I'm, I'm with Erickson. I think I prefer Dotson at cost, but that doesn't mean that McLaurin's a bad pick. Before we get to the rest of the show, I want to take a quick second to talk to everyone about Fantrax. Guys, if you want customization in your fantasy platform, look no further than Fantrax, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Their free NFL Fantasy Football League Manager is the most customizable, easy-to-use, feature-rich platform in the industry. They can easily import any current leagues you have on other platforms and begin customizing your settings immediately. Personally, I use Fantrax for my college football fantasy league, my dynasty baseball fantasy league, and of course, my longtime dynasty NFL league made the switch as well. Whether it's Devi leagues, IDP leagues, decimal scoring, tight end premium, unique matchup settings like weekly doubleheaders, there's a reason why fantasy players who try Fantrax make it the permanent home for all their fantasy leagues because they have it all. So switch your leagues today by heading to Fantrax.com slash fantasy pros. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash fantasy pros. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events... 
You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Graham, let's stick with you for your number two player. Yes, sir. Uh, My number two player is a uh, breakout candidate, I think, on a lot of people's list right now. It's James Cook. Those running back, uh, he's starting to scream up draft boards here, boys. But uh, the the bull case argument for him is is pretty simple. Like, um, not only can we project him to be their passing down back, you know, Naheem Hines is out, uh, Devin Singletary's gone and leaves behind a, a forty to fifty percent route share. You know, on the small sample of routes that James Cook ran. We had some really strong efficiency numbers. Uh, 0.32 targets per route run would have tied Brees Hall or been right behind Brees Hall uh, for the third best mark among running backs. He had strong efficiency marks in terms of yards per route run. Then you look at the ground game, and he was good on uh, both man and zone concepts, explosive runs, uh, yards after contact. Like James Cook, again, small sample. We're dealing with small samples with James Cook, different efficiency and different usage, but uh, Cook now is in the driver's seat for a legitimate three-down role here. Damian Harris is hurt. He's been bothered by a knee injury all camp. He hasn't been able to practice very much. And Latavius Murray might be the backup kind of early down grinder guy to start the season, in which case, like, James Cook to the moon, man. Like, especially if they're going to give him some inside the 10 and inside 20 carries. Like, he doesn't have to get, like, bell cow usage inside the 20. I don't even think we have to project him for that. But there's a very, uh, very likely chance that James Cook is this year's Tony Pollard. 
Wow, and it's high praise, almost as high as uh, Debro, who recently on one of our shows said that James Cook was a poor man's Jameer Gibbs. Erickson, wow. I, I don't think you're quite as uh, excited as Debro is, especially because I know, you know, when healthy, you were kind of interested in Harris as, you know, the touchdown guy in this back. But where do you sort of land on Cook, Erickson? Well, I definitely moved Cook up a lot in my rankings because I've kind of, you know, I've had to cool my stance on Damien Harris where yeah. he's not healthy. Like that, that has yeah. been an issue with him. And I've even found myself like not drafting him as often just because I am more concerned about Latavius. Latavius Murray is going to make the team. So like that, yep. that matters significantly. So I can't even guarantee anymore that Damien Harris, even if they're going to have a quote unquote red zone back, I can't, I feel less confident saying, oh, well, Damien Harris is going to be that guy because as we want to poke fun at Latavius Murray being like 34 years old. Like the guy was productive last year when he played, like he was not bad last year. And there's a reason why the Bills scooped him up because Damon Harris can't stay healthy. And he's a good running back in a landscape where there's a lot of dusty running backs that are not helpful for teams. So James cook was really efficient as a rookie. And I think he's now being probably more appropriately priced. I think he was probably just undervalued because we were afraid of these other running backs taking on bigger roles, but it seems like, that's not going to necessarily be the case. Like someone needs to earn a role away from James Cook. And it doesn't seem like Damian Harris nor Latavius Murray have really stepped up to be like, oh yeah, we need to give this guy touches. It's like, no, we're going to give our super explosive second round pick more touches that because he is deserving of the that type of workload. It's time to look to the future with our Here's to What's Next segment presented by Miller Lite. We're using this segment to look ahead and celebrate the future stars of fantasy football by talking about our favorite sleepers. We actually talked about James Cook in this segment just last week. Today, I want to ask about Romeo Dobbs, currently wide receiver 58. Erickson, I will start with you. What do you make of him as a sleeper in 2023? Um, I'm not really into Romeo Dobbs, to be totally honest. I, I think that he's more of a flash in the pan. We've seen this from him last year when he was highlights in the preseason, and then he flamed out in the regular season. So I get that he's going to have a full-time role on this offense, but if I'm pushing my chips in on a the more talented player, I think Jaden Reed is a more talented player. Even though Jaden Reed is going to be limited to 11 personnel in the slot, he could still suck up and vacuum up targets from Jordan Reed, uh, from Jordan Love. So, so for me, I still prefer Jaden Reed, who is still cheaper than Romeo Dobbs. Graham, what do you think? Down at wide receiver 58, so very cheap in drafts. Are you also out on Romeo Dobbs? Yeah, I'm with Erickson. I, it's not that I'm out. It's just I think Christian Watson is so much better. Like Christian, I mean, think of what Watson did last year with all of the injuries, all the time he missed. I mean, he missed a ton of camp too with a couple injuries. Uh, and when he was on the field, I mean, he was nothing but a baller. I mean, extremely high efficiency marks, obviously scored touchdowns from all over the field. Like he just does things that Romeo Dobbs can't. With a Miller Lite in your hand, summer doesn't just taste great, it tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash FantasyPros. That's MillerLite.com slash FantasyPros. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Erickson, give me your number two breakout candidate. Yeah, for me, my number two breakout candidate is Rashad White for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I think that White can be a three-down back in this Buccaneers offense. Like, I think that's the really big thing for me when it comes to Rashad White. I'm not so concerned about, okay, Chase Edmonds, Deuce Vaughn, are these guys going to have roles? Like, no, I, I really don't think they're going to have roles. We saw last year Rashad White carve out a role alongside Leonard Fournette, able to average 11 fantasy points per game as the RB26, operate as the 1A back in the second half of the season despite averaging just four yards per carry so we talked about james cook how efficient he was rashad white wasn't efficient last year as a rusher or receiver but 
A lot of that had to do with the offensive line. He was still commanding targets and receptions in a Tom Brady-led offense, which you don't see a lot from rookie running backs. And I want to point out the second half of the year when he finally got to be kind of that starter over Fournette. He played one game without Leonard Fournette in the lineup. Week 12 versus the Cleveland Browns. Went 14 for 64 rushing, 9 for 45 on 9 targets receiving. He totaled a 90% snap share on offense. You know how many rookie running backs last year saw a 90% snap share in a game, Ryan? None. Rashad White. He was the only one to do it. So considering the coaching staff is still similar in terms of the head coach, in terms of some of these you know, higher powers like a Bruce Arians, like they still believe in Rashad White. They believe that he can be the guy. When you look at the last time we saw a rookie running back earn a 90% snap share under a Bruce Arians team. Now, Arians isn't the coach of the Buccaneers, but he's part of their system and in the, um, in the management system was David Johnson. And that's someone that a lot of people comp to Rashad White coming out was David Johnson because of his ability to catch passes out of the backfield. So he started from, he started every game from week 10 onward, um, except for one game with Fournette active. And he finished as a RB2 in 62% of his games throughout the rest of the season when he was the starter. So I think at worst, Rashad White is what you draft him as, as a back-end fantasy RB2. But if this Buccaneers offense is a little bit better than we all expect or Rashad White really sees a three-down role where he's always catching passes, gets all the goal line work, then I think he can finish as a back-end fantasy RB1 because of volume that I think he's going to get, and he can handle like what he showed last year. Graham, White is somebody that I have not been able to get there despite hearing Erickson sing his praises all off-season long. Uh, can you convince me why I'm wrong or why Erickson is wrong? No, Erickson's right. I'm with I'm with him on Rashad White. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Rashad White coming out. Uh, obviously, it was a really good pass catcher coming out of ASU. But, and, you know, that's, that's really where this comes down to, right? Is like, I don't really care too much what Rashad White gives me on the ground. But if he's going to be on the field with like a 60 to 65% route share and yeah, catching all these dump offs on a really bad team, like I'm chasing volume just like you, Erickson. At the end of the day, that's, that's what we should be chasing at running back. We should be chasing volume. We should be chasing targets especially in PPR and half PPR point leagues. Uh, Rashad White profiles to me is like a base case, like that's a median case RB2. And then you you mentioned it. I mean, he's got the ceiling to finish as a back-end RB1. You start looking at projections, right? Like we've got, to me, I, I think we've got a really, really strong like top seven, right? McCaffrey, Eckler, Bijan, Pollard, Chubb, Barkley, and Henry. And then that whole like second tier to me is just kind of wide open. Like I feel really obviously if Taylor and Jacobs are, uh, you know, playing and, and healthy, they're going to be in there. But then after that, that 10 through like 25 tier is wide open. And that to me is like, if there's a guy at the bottom of that tier, that's being drafted at the bottom of the tier right now, Rashad White and James Cook are the two guys that have like the ceilings to, to really get into the top 12 or, you know, top 15. So I'm, I'm definitely on Rashad White. It's funny that you bring up that tier because, you know, Brees Hall is in that tier. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out, it's like, I got to move <laughs> yeah. him down. And I'm like, well, who am how I far? moving up? Like, how Bro. far do I move him down? And then who do I move in front of him? Because it's like that whole tier is like, everybody I, has problems. So Bro, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I just did a draft, an industry draft, flex league draft. Jake Seeley runs it. I got Brees Hall at 412 to go with Justin Jefferson. He's my RB1. He got drafted after Cam Akers, Damian Pierce. Like people are people are running for the hills on Brees. And I I will uh I'll be there to scoop up Brees. That's that's the case. Yeah. All right, here we are. Top breakout candidates from each person. Number one, Graham, who you got? Yeah, my number one breakout candidate is Tony Pollard. Uh, you know, if you were to tell yourself last year that, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's not gonna be on the team. Uh, Dallas is still a top three offense. They still have a really good offensive line. Dak's healthy. And just ask yourself, like, where would you draft Tony Pollard? 
where would you draft him? Where would it be? Would it be in the, the first round? Would it be in the late first round? Wait, he's not going in the first round? He's not even going in the top 15? He's going 18th? Tony, guys, Tony Pollard is the biggest smash pick of all time. Like, I, I cannot remember a year where there's been a better RB target in the second round than Tony Pollard. Like, if we were just to give Pollard 35% of Zeke's role in the red zone last year, just give him 35%, that's not even half, 35% would have taken him from RB9 to RB5, Okay. And that's not even mixing in the extra early down work. Like to me, I, Pollard is just such a slam dunk pick. And, and honestly, it's banking on, I'm banking on either him or Chubb in the second round in every league I'm doing. And that's part of the reason why I'm drafting receivers in every single draft I'm doing in the first round. Just receiver, bank on Pollard and Chubb, especially if you're picking near the back half of the first round. Uh, I love it. So Graham, I don't know if you've seen this, but I have to ask, Debro's not on the show. I don't think anybody in the world loves Tony Pollard yeah. more than he does. Do you know where he has him ranked among running backs this year? Is it RB1? Because honestly, it like is, that wouldn't shock me. It is RB1. Him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have him RB4. I have him RB4 behind Bijan Eckler and McCaffrey. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super high on him too. You, you've got him fifth, right, Erickson? Yeah, he's in my top five. So yeah. I mean, well, I, I mean, yeah, Debro, just in looking at, at the overall. Uh, he, he's got Pollard sixth player overall behind only the two wide receivers. That's at the his top. ceiling. That's his I mean, ceiling. I, I, he yeah. should yeah. be a first round pick. Like that. Like that's yeah. the biggest thing to stress to people yeah. is like if you're picking at the the turn, you know, at the you have the twelfth pick, just take Tony Pollard, like or, yep. or take him in the second round. Like that. That's the best pick that you can make because until his ADP, like I think Graham hit the nail on the head when he's talking about, dude, he should be he could be going if he was going as the fifth overall pick off the board, I, I wouldn't be batting an eye. I'd be like makes sense to me so until he's like at that point like there's really no decision to make you just draft him erickson bring us home with your top breakout candidate all right i'm gonna go back to wide receiver here to the denver broncos where i infamously you know touted Cortland sutton in this spot yeah, last are you year. sure you want to go back with this well <laughs> here double, erickson double down, so well man. i don't last play year. scared okay i don't play scared <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all back in jerry judy for me he's gonna be my number one breakout player I'm just looking at what he did towards the end of last year, looking at last six games, 25% target share, finished fifth in receiving yards from week 10 onward, led the NFL in yards per route run at 2.71, averaging the 10th most fantasy points per game from week seven onward and half PPR over his last final five weeks after he was playing a full lot of snaps post-injury, weeks 14 onward. Wide receiver three overall in points per game and half PPR, wide receiver four and full PPR. Jerry Judy flashed a top five fantasy wide receiver ceiling with Russell Wilson as his quarterback in the second half of last year. Russell Wilson is still his quarterback and Sean Payton has now taken over as a head coach. If this offense is stalls again, we still saw Jerry Judy be a top five fantasy wide receiver, but I don't expect it to be as bad as it was last year with Sean Payton now coming in and taking over. So for me, I think Judy's being drafted at his floor. Right now he's being drafted as wide receiver 20. He was wide receiver 21 last year, despite being hurt for multiple games, missing multiple weeks, and the Broncos offense being a complete dumpster fire. So I think that Judy's all gas, all upside as a player that, yes, he did not hit the ground running in year one or year two, but he's gotten better every single year. And I think that that matters for a player entering his fourth season. You know, wide receivers, before they would break out in year one, year two, they used to break out in years three and years four. I think that's the path that Judy's following here. I think this is the year he finally breaks out as a fantasy wide receiver one. Graham, where do you have Judy this year? 
Yeah, I've been high on Judy too, taking him a bunch. The big question to me, it's not Judy's talent, it's Russell Wilson. You know, if Wilson can be better this year against zone coverage, then we got something. Like Wilson was was really, really bad last year. He's he has just got to ch- he's got to change his game, man. Like he's got to stop looking for the deep shot and forcing things. Take what the defense gives you. And I hope Sean Payton can coach that out of him. But you look at the splits, like Jerry Judy profiles his, his Tyler Lockett. Like he's the guy that Russell Wilson's targets 30% of the time against man coverage up the scene in the slot one-on-one. Uh, I think Judy's the clear wide receiver one here, despite all the buzz that Sutton's got. We'll wrap, we'll wrap it up there. I'll run through a recap here. We've got Alec Pierce, Sky Moore, Jake Ferguson, David Njoku, Elijah Moore, Jahan Dotson, James Cook, Rashad White, Tony Pollard, and Jerry Judy. Those are our top 10, maybe not top 10 overall, the 10 breakout candidates we talked about on this show here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to check out the opportunities we mentioned with game time and go drink a Miller Lite during your drafts. It'll make it more fun, I promise. For Graham and Erickson, I'm Ryan Warmly. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound... Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.